Well, here we are, episode 31 of the Bayou Dragons podcast. Today there's me, Tanner. Y'all have seen Joe once. He's been asked multiple times to come back on the podcast because he is, uh, the first time he was on, he only said three words. Joe's very elusive. He's very elusive. You know, he's he's like that albino nutria yes. right there. He's very elusive. You very elusive. You can find very many of them. And today's special very special guest, my great uncle Mark, Mark Porter, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Glad to be here. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. So, Marky Mark, we're actually in his abode right now. If you can't tell, with all these uh, mounts and everything, you're going to learn that he is a outdoors man. He's been doing it all his life, longer than probably all of us. Combined. Combined. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, no, you're not that old. You're not You're not 70 yet. <laughs> I'm, I can kiss it. I'm so close. <laughs> hey, man. But anyway, Mark, first off, how do you love y- – y'all should see the view that we have past the camera. How do you love just living at the lake? I've died and gone to heaven. That is – You know, that's, that's the only way I can explain it. Don't get me wrong. I loved my place in Anahuac. It, it was a great place to raise kids, uh – you know, you got Trinity Bay right there. You spit in distance from the Gulf. You got some of the most beautiful marshes in the world right there. And but yet, uh, you can't you can't beat a lake like this. Oh, the, the your view. He has giant windows that just open up right into walking distance of the lake. Like well, you can throw a rock from here and land there. Right if you can throw it past your uh, excavator over there. Let's put it this way: you 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 can cast a a, a cinco and hit the water from the house. Yeah, especially with Mitchell's rod and reels, <laughs> things could reach very. If very they're cool. not backlashed. <laughs> yes, we we did a little fishing today. We we were going to do a little tournament with Mark, and uh, I wished y'all would have. We would have lost. We would have lost our ass this morning. <laughs> so our plan was to have me, Joe, Mitch, Tanner, Keaton, and Mark, and just random roll the dice. Well. We ended up not doing that, and if we would have, whoever would have been on your team, Mark, today? I think we would have won. <laughs> you, well, you beat everybody single-handedly. Yeah, he beat us all combined. I, I've got a little edge. Ass. <laughs> got a little edge, you know. I, I, I live here. Well, yeah, you went out, and 30 minutes later, Paul was like, Mark, limited out, 30 minutes. Yeah. I was like, well, I didn't get a bite for an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, But anyway, Mark, so – your your nice spry young age of sixty nine, yes sir. And you you were originally from Port Acres. Yes, you're a Port Acretion. I, I I've laid claim. I'm not totally sure, but I've laid claim to being the first child born in Port Acres. Doctor Shields built a novel. There was he delivered a lot of babies before me, but in Port Acres, in his little office, I was the first baby delivered there. That's a that should be on a plaque. So you're, it it you're should a true, be. Yeah, you're I'm, a I'm, true I'm, Port Acres man. Yes, I'm very proud of that. Doctor Shields was a great doctor. He doctored everything, you know, from splinters to babies to whatever tetanus. Yes, he could handle it. And now they got doctors for every little thing on oh, your body. I mean, yeah. Finger doctor. Yeah, you got one for your little finger, the ring finger. You know, they break it down to. They're all specialists now. He could do it all. He was a great guy. Joe's about to go to a doctor actually here soon. I heard about that. Yeah. So, yeah. so congratulations, Joe. By the way, <laughs> yeah, um, very much so. 
the he just had a child, his second offspring. Uh, he himself had. He's on his <laughs> second child. Yeah, he just had a second child two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, then uh, got a call from Mark and Paul over here at the lake, so they needed some help. <laughs> had to make my way over here. So, so and it's highly appreciated, Joe. I ain't lying. Highly appreciate. Done a great job. You, yep. you just probably want to. Uh, Thank the wife more than me. She's got that two week old and a year and a half at the house running around like crazy. Yeah, that's a handful. Yeah, she's probably cussing you as soon as you left. We left, and I was like, Joe, what are you going to do with your two week old? He's like, Oh, my wife's got it. <laughs> Pulled down the road. But, uh, you what, for how old little Hoopy is, man, she handles herself very well with them children. <laughs> and Joe. And Joe. But I mean, well, she got three kids. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And what's bad is Joe's probably like the worst one. Oh, yeah. I mean, he still poops himself. But um, so, Mark, being from Port Acres, you grew up just, I mean, it was in your blood to be an outdoorsman. I mean. Well, when you were raised by Zach Porter, my, my dad, uh, that's all he did. He trapped, he shrimped, he commercial duck hunted, you know, everything. It, with him, it, it was more of a job than a sport. You know, you hunted ducks for a living back then. You know, when, when the, when they, Set the limit at 25, Daddy almost quit hunting. You know, he wanted to go out and kill 100, 150. And, you know, it was it was a living, trapping. He he commercial shrimp. He got me into that. You know, I bought my first shrimp boat at 21. I've still got one today. I don't shrimp like I used to, but, you know, if it's in your blood, you're going to do it. You know, you're gonna, you want to do it till you die. The trap. So, uh, for people that listen to this that aren't outdoorsmen which they're probably majority honestly aren't they just kind of like the bs we usually talk about but the the trapping what kind of trapping were you doing just to uh, you know most of my trapping was marsh trapping our, our bread and butter was mushrat and then you know nutrients were not native to the united states they were brought in and they blew up they, they just just exploded they done well here and we got to trap in neutra but you know your bycatch or you know you'd go after coons mink otter uh everything but your your bread and butter was muskrat nutrat uh they was just they so prolific and you would sell the the meat and the hide i'd sell back then it was the hides there wasn't much sell for the meat later on the gator forms kicked up we were able to move the the nutra meat and and uh, uh, muskrat meat Oh, and feed the alligators. Yes. But don't get me wrong, it was good eating. Just a lot of people, something about a, a naked tail on an animal and calling it a rat. It's hard to build a food market for it. So I know you were kind of telling us before the podcast, but this this rat right here that's in the camera, albino nutra? Yes. And you can tell the people how many you've... Well, I've been to some of the biggest fur sales in Texas for sure and all over Louisiana, and that's the only one I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, I know there's other people that's seen them and stuff, but a friend of mine actually killed that thing out in a rice field, and he brought it to me because he knew I trapped, and, and this this was as rare as hen's teeth. It is, you know, they're not a dime a dozen, and I had to have it mounted. Uh, it's it's uh, that, That's the only one I know of. This? Oh, it was in the uh, early 80s. That looks like an old mount. It is. It yeah. is. It was in the early 80s. But, I mean, it's it's held up well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For multiple moves, yeah. too. 
Good good buddy of mine did that for me. Old boy named Chuck Petey, and he's passed away now, but he was a great, great guy. Great taxidermy, a hell of a trapper, uh kind of guy he could tell better and more stories than I can, I guarantee you. He 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 literally did it for a living. I did work at a plant on the side. Yeah. You did that when you're in your early twenties? Yes. Yes, I mean I trapped every year till the fur market went away, and and and, and you know I was blessed. I've got to see the best of of the shrimping, the best of the trapping, the 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 best of the alligator seasons. You know, it's kind of going by the wayside a little bit, but but I I was there when it really started, got good, and there was real money to be made in it, and it, and it was you know when you make money and enjoy what you're doing, life don't get no better. One of my favorite stories that you ever told, and I don't know it by heart, like exactly, but it was you and Paul when y'all were kids and y'all were doing the nutrients the way y'all would skin the hides out and dry them out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bringing them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to talk about that, because I still laugh about it. Well, I mean, I don't know what story you, but there's, you know, there's many of them on everything when you've done this as long as we have. But, you know, we, we would trap, bring. What, what, which one are you talking about? I'm talking about the laundromat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was more your pawpaw than me. Uh, him and a buddy of his, yeah. They, uh, you know, you want the furs clean, they'd bring them down to the laundromat for 50 cents. You know, they could run them through the washing for another 50 cents. They'd run them through the dryer, get the skin dry, and roll them in. They did that. I, when I got big into it, I went and bought a commercial dryer oh, okay. and a commercial washing machine to take care of my own. Can you imagine? Just imagine going to pick up your suit. <laughs> and it comes through, like on the TV, when it comes through all the, the racks, the, yeah. the automatic yeah. racks, and it's just nothing but a shit pile of Nutra hair, hair all, all flying through, and then yeah. your suit right in the middle of it. I, I That'd really, be some good shit. I thought that was you that did that, but it was Paul. I just... Yeah. But you used a commercial dryer to dry. Yes, yes. I, I've, uh, a buddy of mine uh, bought out uh, an, an old... Uh, washer terrier and was turning it into a bar and I went over there and I bought a washer and a dryer out of it and uh, you know he was giving it to me supposedly and then when I got over there, he changed his mind he was selling it to me but what was pretty neat about it when I got it home both of them were full of quarters still I damn near had enough money to pay for them because they didn't unload the boxes on them I mean I had like $80 in quarters <laughs> so. well you just definitely go to the car wash for free for a while, I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah. But, uh, so you did that. And I, I know you and Papa were really big into gar fishing back in the day. Cause I believe there was a photo of y'all with like a thousand gar in the bed of a truck. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was a bunch of them. Let's put it that way. I mean, you ain't going to get a thousand in there, but it was full, but it's mainly full because of the size. You know, most of them are in that hundred to 150, 200 pound glass gar, big gar, you know, real, real gar. Damn. And y'all were selling those for <laughs> next to nothing. Next to nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's fun, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard work, but it's fun. Uh, uh, trapping, shrimping, commercial fishing. Ye years ago, I was out there at the plant, and, and they run this ad in the paper, and it was talking about the, the 50 worst jobs to have, and they was given a rundown. Well, number one, bar all, was commercial fishing was the worst job in the world to have and that's what i wanted to do for a living i loved it 
But if it's good, you flood the market and the price goes down. If it's bad, you ain't catching enough to make a living, you know. So it's it's a it's a lose lose. Yeah, I'm sure there was a uh, plenty. I, I mean, I just all the stories between you and Paul. Like I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of any that were like funny. I know that you told me. I believe it was you with the when you were trapping and sunk the airboat out in the marsh. That was him. <laughs> God dang it! Now you you going by most of your pawpaw stories? I've been blessed. He's the one that's been a little bit misfortunate. Maybe so. Maybe so. I ain't saying I'm smarter. I've just been a little more. Ble- the the friends I run around with, bless you, Mike, was probably just a little sharper than some of your pawpaw's buddies. Uh, love Mike, great guy, but but they did pull some pretty good ones. Now some of mine and Paul, you know, I did run over him with the boat trailer one day. We were going crabbing. <laughs> Um, you, 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 Mimi likes that one. <laughs> in fact, she, she was about to stop letting him come out and go play with me anymore. Cause about, about a month before I run over him with the boat trailer, I, I got him into the killer bees. You know, oh, you, you know, it was just, it was just boom, boom, boom. One thing after another there for a while. Would you share that story? That was a very nuts story. You shouldn't be here. No, honestly. no, neither one of us should be here today. We, we, we really shouldn't. It, it was, uh. It was a hot day in July. Uh, I had a few nests to pick up on a reservoir down uh, just out of Angleton and uh, asked Paul to go with me. It was his first trip to go. And uh, it, it was going to be a, a quickie. You know, a little old reservoir is just two miles square. We're going to go down there and pick the gator nest up on it. Done had them marked. And uh, called the game warden down there, good friend of mine, Joe Goff. I don't know if I should say people's names, but great guy. In fact, card. I, I mean, I personally feel like he saved my life. But, you know, we got down there and went out. It was a Sunday. Everything, a beautiful day, just hot. And uh, went out, put the airboat in, went and picked up about three nests. And when we got to the fourth one, uh, of course, Paul had done lost the stick we used to hit the mama gator on the nose to, to, to keep her. So I, I broke him off a rotten limb and said, here you go, use this. You know, just jokingly cutting up. Anyway, we pulled up on the nest or close to it. And we hit an old dead tree that was full of bees, honeybees, but it was the killer bees. And and uh, we we got off in well, I jump out of the boat. I'm down there getting on the nest. Paul was watching. He said, "Mark, there's bees." Well, I'd gotten to them big red wasp in that same place the year before. Got stung like thirteen times. And uh, anyway, I, I looked around. I seen a couple of them honeybees fly by. I said, oh man, you know, ain't nothing to this. And he hollered back at me, said, Mark. And I looked up. I couldn't see him. He was just literally covered in bees. And then they fell down there on me. And literally, you could take your hands and squeeze them across your face, and you would have handfuls of bees and just raking them and rake. We lost our glasses, uh, hats, um, got him to get out of the boat. We walked out into the reservoir. We, we probably walked out about 75 to 100 yards away from the nest trying to get away from the bees. The airboat died. I didn't realize that Paul had accidentally hit the magnetus. It was an airplane engine on the boat. I thought bees had literally got in and choked the carburetor down. They were that bad. Anyway, we we, we get out there, and it was one of these. And I'm serious. I, I looked up, and I said, we're going to die. And it's going to be closed casket. We're going to be ugly. You know, all these bee stings, and who knows when they're going to find us, you know, out here. And uh, 
anyway, and then, you know, my dad had passed away not long before that. I was 50 years old at the time. This was in July. He passed away in January. And people, some people believe me, some people don't. I, I believe it. I was there. But I heard a voice, and it was, hey, boy, you've got to get y'all out of there. I said, your brother don't know how to drive your airboat. It's the first time he's been with you. And, and, you know, and I'm looking around, where is this coming from? And he just literally told me what to do. And I pulled a lily pad up, pulled it over my head, quit killing bees. I done killed thousands of them. Walked back to the airboat, get it pulled out. I had it wedged up on the bank, get it pulled out, crawl up in it. It, it won't, didn't want to start. Won't. Third time I hit start, it fired up. And when it did, it was, oh, yes. I hit the gas and the bees just come off of me and went through the prop. Well, I went looking for Paul. And he had followed me. I didn't realize it. And, and when I spun the airboat out, he was right there. And bees were still covering him up. And I pulled up, and he rolled over in the boat, and I hit the gas again. The bees just you know, just kind of got sucked off of him through the prop. And uh, you know, I looked down, and he's looking up at me, and I'm looking down at him laying in the bottom of the boat. And I said, you all right? And he said, yeah, I guess so. I said, Man, you look like hell. He said, you need to look in the mirror, <laughs> you know. So we drive across, get back to the truck. You know, it was just my face and hands felt tight. You know, I was stung so many times. Everything was just tight. I could still open my eyes and see. We got over there and we got a hold of a game warden that I had called earlier, this Joe dude. And uh, he literally come out there. I invited him to go eat, and it was almost lunch. So he was actually headed that way. And we, we got in when he come up there and I'm taking y'all to the hospital. I said, no, Joe, we're going to be all right. I said, no, I'm taking y'all to the hospital. And uh, he got us loaded up. Well, I started dry heaving and throwing up and, and literally losing bodily functions on the way to the hospital. Oh, yeah, once your adrenaline, yeah, it, your it, adrenaline it, it, started, you know, coming down on you. Yeah. Anyway, he got us to the Angleton Hospital. And <laughs> what's a shame, it was a typical hospital they got – Went in the emergency. He went in there. He got wheelchairs. They wheeled us in first thing. Y'all got insurance. <laughs> yeah. Paul could. Paul was in better shape than I was at this time. And he said, yeah, we're, we're both in pretty good. You know, we work, we work at chemical plants. We've got insurance. And uh, anyway, they brought us in. Paul was in one room. I was in the next. And I'm laying there on that table, and I'm jerking and all twitching and literally losing bodily functions. And I'm uh, saying, you know, it. This may not be over yet. You know, Dad kind of told me, and said, I'm, I'm get y'all out of there, but he didn't tell me if it was going to be a happy ending or what. And, and it was kind of an out-of-body experience. Now I'm sitting up on a windowsill looking down at me on that table with these nurses and doctors around me doing this and doing that. And, you know, I said, damn. And I could hear Paul in the next room talking and and. You know, it was one thing and another. And, you know, I'm not a big believer in drugs, but morphine is a wonderful drug. <laughs> they come hit me. I heard him ask Paul in the next room, he says, is he allergic to any kind of drugs? And I, I was in worse shape. And uh, he said, not that I know of. So they come in there and they hit me with that morphine. And next thing you know, I'm saying, man, I'm 50 years old. I know this body better than anybody. Y'all let me go home. I feel good. And, and literally, you know, it looked like hell, but I felt good. Three nurses with credit cards is what they got. Started scraping stingers out of our heads. Three on Paul, three on me. 
And, you know, they wouldn't, they started picking them with tweezers first and they'd pull, uh, my hair ain't all that thick, but I do have hair. Uh, they'd pull a little over and scrape stingers and it just fall across my face. And they put them in a tray and the tray was probably 12 inches long by about six or seven inches wide. And the stingers were literally heaped up in this tray. And same thing with Paul. They, they couldn't even count them. There were so many. Two places we counted stingers, and both of them was on Paul. The game warden was in there, and they pulled like 39 stingers out of the top of one ear. Just, just the top part of an ear, 39 stingers. He had 64 stings on his back because he went to pull his shirt over his head out there in the marsh. And when he did, I, I was telling him, get down in the water, will it? You know, he's worried a little more about the alligator than I was. He hadn't been out there as much lately. And when he pulled his shirt up, then bees got down on his back, and I rubbed my hand across his back, killing them, and there were 64 stings on his back in a matter of two seconds. And, and the only reason we could count those is they were far enough apart that you could count the spots. On our heads, you couldn't count them. They were so tight. Well, this one nurse was, had a pair of tweezers, and she was pulling dead bees out of my left ear. And she pulled two of them out, and the third one flew out and went to flying around the room. It was, it was still alive. And here's the nurses running around screaming over this one bee. You know, and I'm laying there on the table jerking and twitching. And one damn bee. <laughs> you know? But anyway, we both survived, come home the next day, and, and uh, it's made for a great story, and it's the truth. The, I remember – Paul, the he's like the only thing good from that was his arthritis went away. Yeah, it it did. It is his hands. He got to where he could close them up, and, and uh, I guess the, all the neurotoxins or whatever the bees had something. I said, well, you want to go back next year and get another? He said, no, I'm done. <laughs> that because I was young when that happened, and mom was like, your uncle Mark and Paul Paul got stung by a bunch of bees. Like you know, I was like, well, they'll be fine. Like no, like. Oh, it was bad. They're in the hospital. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It, 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 I, I wouldn't wish that on my enemies. That, that was, they're relentless. They do not give up. Literally killing them by the handfuls. Mm. Well, I think that's the closest near death. I, I think that the bees on our podcast so far, the bees definitely take the top. And then I guess it'd be Warhola getting shot in the chest. But do what? Oh, I had a I had a cop on. We had a cop on the, oh, the podcast. Okay. And yeah, he got shot, and uh, it, I'd have to go with the shot. That's late. No, it, it, it shot him on the shoulder. He oh, was fine. Okay, but the the on that podcast we talked about it because yeah. a piece of it got lodged, and the doctors couldn't get it, and yeah. it was like a month ago it popped out because he woke up and there's blood all over him. He's like, what What happened? He found the little casing. Work worked his way out. It, yeah. it will. Just after like yeah. five years. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know your 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 great grandpa uh, went through a windshield as a young man, bad car wreck, and it was years later, and I mean years later, a piece of glass would work out and he'd pull it out. You know, I'm talking fifteen, twenty years later, he had so much glass on top of his head. That's why he never drove much. He let Mama do all the driving. And the Buick, <laughs> yeah, the Buick. <laughs> I wish that I was so close to. I was like, I want that car. It was a cool car. It was was a, it that uh, maroon one? Or yeah, whatever? So it was yes, the purple, I remember that. The purple. Ex- Where the hell did I see that car at? Well, you didn't see it. As soon as they sold it to some guys in Winnie, they totaled it like the next week. Wasn't long. Yeah. I was like, I was like, damn it. 1990 Roadmaster Buick. It had like a, it looked dark, but when the sun would hit it, it was purple. 
And then the interior was all purple interior. I was like, dude, that would be an Anahuac. I would be swinging, bro. <laughs> yeah. Me and Joe riding around the Buick. <laughs> Said you got the blue truck. Got old blue. Well, Mark, I, I got a question for you, man. Yes, sir. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs out in the world now. A lot of them have normal day jobs like you did, chemical plant or whatever they're doing nowadays. Uh, talk us through how you ended up making that decision to go fully into your business that you had. Oh, God. It it, it was tough. I ain't going to lie to nobody. It uh, it, it, it was a kind of, well, I'm, I'm a, Rita is what kind of brought all of it on, to be honest with you. Uh, Hurricane Rita come in, and it actually didn't hit Anahuac all that hard, but half of everything I ever worked for, I lost it. My my wife left and didn't come back, and she took it. And uh, I was divorced not too long after that. Uh, it went into I got had a lot of people to pay off. I wound up keeping my place, but I you know I had bills to pay and all of this. Well, just about that time the the, the gator season got to hitting a little bit, and it, it got. Pretty good, and I had a couple of pretty decent years. I paid everything off and put a little bit of money back in my savings. And uh, there one day I was headed to the plant. I'd been picking up eggs, and this was a bumper year for the nesting. It was it was fantastic. The prices were great, and the eggs were plentiful. Well, I show up at the plant. I, I was on a 12-hour type schedule. I had that seven-day long change. I just finished the short weekend come out there on Monday and they had me scheduled seven overtimes for my long change. And I said, well, I'm going to turn them down. I'm one of the older guys out there now. So I'm going to turn them down. And, you know, some of these younger hands that I've helped out in the past and they kind of laughed at me and (laughs) said, we don't want it either. And I said, well, I've got bigger fish to fry than coming out here on overtime right now. And, uh, Man, it, I just thought about it, and my old stomach just nodded up, and I said, I, I can't do this no more. I said, uh, what I got's paid for, I'll go be a greeter at Kmart or Walmart or something if I have to to make a living. And uh, I told my boss, I went in there, and I said, Bobby, I said, I, I, I think I'm done. Oh, no, 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 hang on. This ain't the way you do it. You don't do this in, in July. You you retire in January and get all your vacation and da-da-da-da-da. So we talked about it a little bit, and he says, well, look, you know, we kind of shorthanded this. I said, but, Bob, you don't understand. So I'm making real money out there this year. It's 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 crazy money. And uh, I, I don't like it out here anymore. You know, I've been out there 33 years doing a good job, no problems, you know, it, it served me well when I was there. But uh, I come back the next day, and I said, I said Bobby, I'm going to split it with you. And he said, what, you going to work till what, uh, uh, November? And I said, no, I'm going to split this week with you. It's my last day. We worked a four-day <laughs> week. And he got up and shook my hand and says, I don't blame you. And that was pretty much my last day to walk in a chemical plant other than to go get nuisance alligators out of it later i got the nuisance control job and uh it it well let's put it this way i never had to go greet people at walmart so life is good you don't regret that decision one bit not a bit uh the only thing i kind of regret is not 
seeking this out 33 years earlier. There wasn't a gator season, but I should have went with the shrimp and I should have went with the trapping a little harder. Uh, it was one year there. The, the trapping was so good. I made more money in a month and a half than I did out there to plant the whole year. And I was wanting to drag up then, but then the very next year, the fur market fell out so bad, uh, I, I'd have starved to death. So you know, I'm glad I didn't go then. You would have to eat the nutrients you were getting. I, I, yeah, that's it. That's it. We, we wouldn't yeah. have been, yeah. That nutrient meat's not too bad. No, no, no. I, I mean, fried up, barbecued, it's good. Cubed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice stew. Oh, nutrient yeah. stew. Yeah. And, and muskrat tastes a whole lot like squirrel. They're very good eating tender. Vegetarians, you know. Yeah. You, you can't go wrong. All right, Mark. So, Joe just asked that invigorating question about, you know, you going from working a shift work and the chemical plant to your own business, but the people out there don't know what your business was. I'd like for you to kind of talk about that. I mean, your name was the business basically. <laughs> well, we, we called it Porter's Processing in, in alligator form. And uh, alligators are nasty. They stink. Uh, they're, you know, uh, a muskrat's got a smell and nutri, but it's a, you know, it just it's a good smell to somebody that loves to trap and, and fish and do that. An alligator does not smell that great, and they're harder to handle. You know, uh, uh, the the muskrat I could skin while walking the marsh. You know, and just you know, it was nothing to it. An alligator. Well, the first one I skinned, which was this whitehead one right here behind me, was the very first alligator I caught. The first one I skinned. The meat spoiled on it before we got it skinned. It me by myself, it was a pocket knife in the backyard on scaffold boards. And I, I had every fly in Chambers, Jefferson, and probably Harris County in my backyard before I got this thing skinned. And, uh, I mean, we salvaged the hide, but the meat was runt before we had it skinned. I mean, we're talking eight hours down there skinning this one alligator. And, you know, and you learn. That was the very first one I got the first year they had a season. Um, it, it was, it, this ain't that much fun. So I started trying to catch smaller ones, you know. But we were covered up with big alligators back then. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, that same alligator today at Porter's Processing, it hits the table, and in 20 minutes, it's done. That's the meat carved off the bone, the skin, you know, separated. Now it's not scraped and salted and turnkey finished, but it's done. It's it's uh, the meat's on ice and the hides rolled up in, in and it's done inside an air conditioned building. Inside of an air conditioned building with good lights. I had to move the scaffold boards like four times to stay in the shade. You know, the sun kept moving. Uh, how how big was this? Uh... That one was twelve ten. And that was your first ever alligator. First I mean, ever alligator. alligator. Yeah, yeah, it was twelve ten. And it's a unique one. You can't really see it on here, but it has a tooth also coming out of the top of the head. Had an ingrown tooth that, that come up through the top of the head. And I've seen that probably, you know, over the years of handling several thousands of alligators, probably six or eight times. I've seen one double where the teeth, you know, two teeth come and went up, and it was pretty cool. It looked like little horns. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. You know. The old boy was going to do it like the one on the table. And I said, no, 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 no. It, it, it looked like moles almost, you know, just a knot up there. I said, no, you, you need to have it European. 
so they so you, you can, can see, see what it is. Come you can see the, the teeth. Skull, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And, and he did, and it was a very cool amount. And so you were processing all the alligators. You're also picking up nest eggs. Yes. yes. Started started with the processing facility. It's a twenty day season in Texas, and uh, you know to find a group of guys that would work in the first few years it was tough it was really really tough and you know i worked family friends uh uh just high school college whoever i could get and and it's 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 hard work and and then a gentleman named juan sestata come by and he helped me build my business great great guy and uh he started hiring a crew, and we put together a processing facility that that was the real deal. Uh, you know, we we were turnkeying, you know, 12, 13, 1,500 alligators in 20 days. Now, when I say turnkey, that's getting the meat off, processed, put up the hides, uh, put in the freezer till we could salt and scrape them at a later date. And... <clears throat> And you, you used to sell, like, all your meat that you processed, you sold that to big restaurants. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's more of a novelty, and it still is today. You know, there's different people coming out that want to try it. Uh, it's come a long way, and the price is, uh, in the beginning, it was very, very high. Then it kind of fell down, and then now it's back up, you know, very pretty pricey right now. But it's, it's, a, it's a good meat. And, and the main thing about it, it's a good meat for you. It's uh, high in protein and zero cholesterol unless you, you know, fry it or something. <laughs> fry it with a bunch of yeah. oil. Yeah. Cook, it, cook yeah. it the good way. Right. How right. many restaurants did you have roughly, you know, you sold to? Oh, God. I sold to several there around Houston, uh, probably five or six there. And then Winnie and Beaumont and Orange Bridge City area. And, you know, some of them were taking, you know, 70, 80 pounds, 100 pounds a week. Some of them were taking 25, 30 pounds a, a week. You know, that, I'd sell it by the case. So, you know, they take a case every four or five weeks. Or some were taking a case every week. Some was taking two cases a week. And then, you know, I discovered um, uh, these uh, wholesale fish houses that sold fish, you know, on their trucks. And, and they got to buying, you know, several thousand pounds at a time, which – made life nice you just bring it to one place you take a little less for it but you, you know instead of your gas running in uh houston almost every day to deliver somewhere i could bring it to one place uh you know 2,500 3,000 pounds well they got to where they'd come pick it up at the house you know, they, they had their freezer trucks and all this and they'd come pick it up and it, it made life nice yes yeah i remember they picked it up for you one time and I guess you had a good relation with that place in Beaumont. I went and picked up a check for you. You're like, yeah, they picked up like 10 cases of gator meat. Yeah. You mind running by there and grabbing? Just say you're a porter. Yeah. They'll know who you are. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But the, so that, the meat, what was the hardest part about all of it? Because I know like when you're doing the eggs, you had, there's all kinds of shit with that. You had fighting off mom alligators. You have fire ants. You had bees. You have, but was the, at the initial processing before you had one, was that harder than the oh, whole gator God. nest? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, them first few years, literally. My, well, my first processing facility was a, a, a little restaurant out of um, uh, Cleveland, Texas. I bought it. 
16 by 30 building. It, it was a Burger Born was the name of it. And I moved it down there, and, and me and my daddy remodeled it. We took everything out of it and put in a skinning table. It had a walk-in free cooler and, uh, you know, got the stoves and all that stuff out of it and, and, and made it into a little processing facility. And that very first year, it was overwhelming. Uh, we'd have gators stacked up to the ceiling, literally, in there and you know we couldn't handle it all thank god i had a good relationship with a, uh, a gentleman in louisiana and he would take a bunch of it that i couldn't handle and you know and i'd handle what i could i, I skint gators literally two three four o'clock in the morning i'd i'd nap on the skinning table when i get so tired literally just lay on the skinning table and get back i couldn't get the real big ones on the table back then so i skinned all the smaller ones and sent the bigger ones to louisiana the first two years and then uh, i finally got a pretty good little crew in there and we expanded the building and we we've got five skinning tables and uh well let's put it this way we don't we, we quit sending anything whole out of state anymore everything was processed right there broke down if you're not doing it there you're not making no money if you sold it whole you was making a couple of bucks a foot the uh so when you started so telling the people used to get the nest you would raise the alligators yourself in the beginning i did uh i was i wasn't the first form in texas but i was probably one of the first five or six and 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 uh we were the tail wagging the dog. Louisiana is the big dog when it comes to alligators. They, they've got hundreds of thousands. Well, Louisiana was getting, back in the day, in the beginning, they were getting forty-five to 50,000 wild tags, and Texas was getting 1,500 during yeah, the there's, season. There, alligators don't exist in Texas. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> one we get all the time, that, Mark. That's yeah. the number one we, yeah. one of the, yeah. Yeah. Alligators don't exist in yeah. houses. They don't uh, live here. That's no. the number one. They're like, uh, why are y'all calling yourselves the Bayou Dragons? There ain't an alligator in Texas. Like, dude. Alligators Alligators apparently only live in Louisiana. Yeah, well, they, 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 they see Texas as cactus and mesquite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hill country. Uh, Houston Astros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they don't see this little dab of looks so much like Louisiana. You know, I, I would leave the Port Arthur, Anahuac area and, and go to uh, different places in southern Louisiana, you couldn't tell the difference. The houses look the same. The terrain, the marshes, it's it's just a, a smaller piece of Louisiana that we, we've got plenty of alligators, and they're not going nowhere. The The management program's kind of sucked on them, but other than that. <laughs> and how many would you, like whenever you were raising them, how many were you doing at a time? I was doing 4,000. Which that 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 ain't nothing. That's not the number I expected. I, well, yeah. no, I thought because I remember one year you did like upwards to eight thousand, I believe. Oh no! Now picking up eggs when I yeah. was raised them in the beginning, I start I wasn't picking up as many eggs. I didn't have all the properties. I had a little competition back then, and I had four thousand on my form that I was raising to four foot and processing there. Now later on. Whenever I stopped forming and went to working with a farm in Louisiana, I was picking up over 10,000 eggs, you, you know, and, and that's a drop in the bucket compared to yeah. Louisiana. You yeah. know, the, the farmer I was selling to is doing over 100,000 a year. You know, this, this, it's real over there. It's, it's, it's a whole, 
Alligators to Louisiana is like oil and cattle to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good good analogy right there. I just, I don't know, growing up with you, like, and not knowing really the whole Louisiana side, I just always thought I was like, Mark is like the big wiener swinging around here. (laughs) Like, he has... Like, cause I'd walk in there and you have eight thousand baby alligators yeah. just, just right, right, right. You have, yeah, yeah, just you have literally gators almost as pets in your front yard in your ponds. Yeah, until they eat your dog. Until they <laughs> ate your dog. Yeah, I, I was in the RIP yeah. that black yeah. that chocolate lab. Yeah, that yeah. one eyed lab. Yeah, Oe, Oe, Oe. Yeah, that uh, and that was a. I, I felt sorry like. He's, did y'all know that he had a dog eaten in his yard? I'm pretty sure I've heard that story yeah. before. I mean, I've been over there in the, over the years, you know, many years ago where there was gators in the, that front pond. The, uh, the front pond gator was a pretty cool dude. I, I mean, he literally was. I could go out there, and I'd, I'd feed him, and I'd bring a pan, I'd rattle and bang on it a little bit, and he'd come across the pond and come up there, and I'd just... I, I'm not this guy that's going to try to stick it in his mouth with my hand and all that. Look, I still got ten finger, ten toes. I have been bit a couple of times, but it was not playing with one. It was one I thought I'd killed, got in a boat, and it come back alive. But uh, this gator here, you know, I'd get other people to walk out there, and he'd just go under and come up, and he'd sit just underneath the water at the edge of the pond, and it, it, and he'd wait till you were, you know, everybody get a little bit nosy and try to lean out over to look at it, and then he'd just jump up. <laughs> I mean, I watched more people damn near mess their pants when this gator was just, just – I mean, he wasn't going to get them. He just – I mean, he had a little grin on his face. He enjoyed scaring people, I think. I mean, he was a pretty cool gator. So – and you did – and you used to guide gator hunts a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I started – when the uh, the commercial end of it started dwindling, uh, form skins really started taking over the wild market. And, and uh, wild skins, you know, they're out in the wild, they get scarred, and you're catching various sizes. These these places, uh, you know, your Louis Vuittons, Gucci's, and all these places want a certain skin, and they want it perfect, and they want this certain scale pattern, and, and the farmer can raise it to that size. And they raise them to eight foot on the farms now, and they're clean, uh, you know, back in the day, it was four-footers, three-and-a-half, four-footers. Most of the uh, skins were going to watch bands. And then as time went on, they started women's shoes, and now they make this certain purse for Gucci that's, you know, it's $80,000 purse, takes three skins to build it. Uh, but it's all premier clean, which to me, this is just me, the wild skins got character. They've been around. They've done something. There's a certain amount of scoring, scratches, uh, you know they're they're not perfect, and and to me that's what it ought to be is not perfect. And that's but, where you would think that they would want that. Yeah, something I mean, these that are, these are wild creatures that yes. are just and it's, it's been a, here for yeah dinosaurs. Thousands, they're dinosaurs basically. They'll be I mean. here when we're gone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But you have a like a so how do you age an alligator? Like from once it gets past like six foot, because I know. Whenever, like, it's real young, it's like every inch to its, or... Well, no, you take these gators right here from, from the knots on his nose to his eyes, ever how many inches that is, that's roughly how many feet long he'll be. That's going to give you the size. Okay, the first four years of a gator's life, he'll do about a foot a year. And, you know, they're born at about six inches, so a year later they're about 18, and 
and you know thirty whatever you know foot a year, and then they start slowing down. But so much of that is habitat, is what we found out over the years. If they've got great habitat, they're they're going to do four or five inches a year. Where if it's not so great, it's mediocre. They'll do two inches, three inches a year. So, but they're going to survive. You know, they can literally go a year without eating. You know, they don't eat all winter. They want to. They want to be 89 degrees. They want to come out and eat. But until they're roughly 89 degrees, their system don't allow it. What's the biggest alligator that you've personally harvested? Me? Okay. I, I can break this down. Nuisance alligators, I've, I've got a 1310 that I bought. Okay, that's not personally me. My biggest nuisance alligator is 13.4. My biggest wild season alligator, I hate to tell this on myself, is 12.10. I've never busted 13 in the wild season myself. I've caught five, six, seven, about eight 12.10s. I've never busted 13 in the wild season myself. Wow. I'm hoping to do it up here. I've got two spotted. And I'm, I get the tags for them. Last year, they wouldn't cooperate. And, uh, you know, you limit it to where you can set your lines. If they could turn me loose up here, I, I would, I'd break the state record. <laughs> I, I mean, I know where he's at. But I can't just go anywhere. i got to go to where I've got my tags. To, and staying legal, it ain't worth it to get a ticket to even break a state record. I, I, but I, I've uh, – and I thought one of these had gotten taken out, but we seen him the other day. He's He's – I ain't saying where he's at, but he's back there. <laughs> and he's sure enough. And he's he's real. He's real. He's, You're uh, I've seen some real ones out yeah. there. Oh, well, you you've been back there where this one's at, and and uh, he's still there. He he. I feel like you don't see many gators on the lake. But no, when you do, it's usually a good one. It's a good one. Like even the females are just big here. Massive. The, like, the the uh, the I, you know I caught a female last year. I don't like catching females, but you know I was sitting for this big boy and. Uh, the, the one I caught on the lake up here last year, she was 8-9. That's a big female. That's a very big female. Wide. I mean, she's, they're in good shape up here. It's a different food for them up here. You know, they they hustling fish, birds, and they get a few pigs and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, down home, Anahuac area, you know, there's Nutrat, Muskrat. They, they they got a more of a red meat diet, and they, they, they really thrive on that. They do better. The So whenever you were doing the process, and when did you start, like, when did you start the business? Like in eighties? In eighty four was the first year they had a season. And about eighty eight, four years later, I got audited, IRS. <laughs> uh and and that's when I, I the the fella that I was selling my skins to had made a mistake and uh I, I caught it. They overpaid me. Twelve hundred bucks on my skins, and you know and I'm pretty good at math, and I was doing the math, and I was doing my best to make that twelve hundred dollars my money, and I couldn't do it. You know, I was paid you know thirty five dollars a foot, and I worked it and worked it, and I done paid my landowners, and and uh, I'm sitting there, and I kept, so I called the people up that I'd sold to. And I said, Mary Jo, I said, we got a problem. She said, oh, Mark, I didn't short you too, did I? I said, Re redo my paperwork and see what you come up with. And, I mean, you literally could hear the phone ringing fast. 
I don't know how she did it, but ring, ring, ring. You know, when she called me back, she said, Mark, I, I, I overpaid you like 1200 bucks." I said, Mary Jo, that's what I got. Well, what are we going to do? I said, well, it ain't my money. I said, I wish it was, but it ain't. I said, I'm going to give you money back. Oh, my God, you can't do that. Sydney will kill me. They're, they're both dead now. That's the reason I guess I can say this. But uh, I said, Sydney will kill me. And uh, I said, Mary Jo, it's not mine. And uh, about 30 minutes later, Sydney called me up, and he gave me the ultimate compliment. He, he said, Mark. Said you just like your old man. You just like your old man. Said you honest as a day is long. I said, well, thank you, Sydney. So I'm gonna tell you what now. If that had been twelve hundred dollars in my my good, you wouldn't have heard from me. <laughs> he told me just like it, and uh, that's when I said, you know something, for Mary Joe to not mind giving away twelve hundred bucks, I think I'm gonna go into this business. And the next year, I, I started the porters process. Started porters processing. Because where I was going with this question was you did it for, you know, many of years and it was probably pretty good, but did you see the influx once like swamp people came out? Oh God. Swamp people was, was, was like a, a, a shot in the arm. It, it, it was, a, a it, it helped tremendously with the guiding part of it since the wild skins was losing their popularity but when when swamp people come out, my, my, I booked up instantly on my guided hunts. It, it was just shpoop, done. You know, it was like Taylor Swift selling tickets. I guess at one of her concerts. I mean, done. And uh, it, it 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 helped tremendously. It, it did. I figured it would have helped with the meat yes. too, because oh, everybody would yeah. be like, "Well, I want to yes. try that alligator yes. now." You know, yeah. I, I'm gonna say this. They they you know we. I was going to be on Swamp People. Uh, Harvey come in and messed all that up. It flooded, and they didn't get to do the show they were wanting to do. Uh, I mean, they still come to Texas and did it, but it you know, kind of just messed us around pretty good. But uh, them, the the stars on the show were, were great guys. They they really are. Troy and RJ and Bruce and all them. They come out to the house. They're down to earth, good guys. We got to visit, hang out. Uh, but what was pretty cool, I'll say this, when they come into my place, they were oohing and aahing because they'd never seen what I had to offer there. You know, they were going out, killing them, bringing them in, and selling them to a buyer. In fact, I think some of them has kind of went into what I was doing. You know, we, we were – I had to justify everything. We were selling the teeth. The hides, you know, having so, so many of them tanned up for personal, uh, the meat, you know, we we sold it all. You even had the feet for back scratchers. Feet, we made back scratchers. <laughs> uh, we had Texas back scratchers, the big feet on a, a broom handle, done some of those. Uh, Vietnamese were coming out buying different parts for different things before Viagra come out, which was... Viagra killed my my, my uh, gallbladder and gator penis uh, <laughs> sales, <laughs> uh, but hey, it's, it's oh freaking Viagra, man! Oh uh, yeah, 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 it'll get you. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, I figured though that that was like a big turning point for you. Like that was people were wanting; they're just wanting alligators. They wanted to buy alligators. They the hunting, the meat, the yes, they, they well they wanted to experience a gator hunt, you know, and watching those guys do it, and you know we're set up a little different here in Texas. We we don't have we we do have the swamps and stuff that they have, 
but not the size and the, the, the volume that they have. You know, uh, uh, most of my hunting, uh, we, we do from a four-wheeler out of a little John boat. You know, we, we don't need the airboats going across the marsh now. Um, Troy Broussard, great guy. He, he, he puts on a hell of a gator hunt down there. It's the real deal. Got more tags than anybody in Texas. Uh, he he uh, he's got it going on. I, I mean, if if I'd never done it, that'd be the guy that I'd want to go with before I'd go with me. Now I, I've got the line of crap because I've been doing it so long. Uh, lots of stories, been there, done that. Lots of lots and lots of t-shirts, but uh, he, he's got the 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 real deal as far as the marsh there, but. Uh, all my places I didn't I, I mean I got an airboat just didn't need it you know and and look at me I'm lazy this is fat <laughs> and uh I, I make it easy and I said y'all want to make it hard y'all want to make it easy well most people well, let's kind of make it easy because it is work they're heavy and uh you know the the hunts that I put them on most of the people seem to be happy I've had a lot of return hunters but uh it is. It's more of a guiding thing now than the commercial. The commercial is pretty much gone. You actually guided Tanner's daddy this past yes, year. Yes, I did. Enjoyed it, too. I, I, I wished I would have known that's who it is before the end of the hunt. Uh, yeah, that's what's funny. You know, he comes up to me, you know, well after the hunt. and was like, well, you know, I went on a hunt with uh, you know, Mark Porter. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, I, he didn't even realize, I mean, yeah. but – well, you didn't even know. No, nah, well, I, I didn't know. It was, you know, he looked a little familiar to me. And, and uh, you know, and I finally asked, I said, well, what's your name? And he said, Buchanan. And uh, I said, well, I know some Buchanans. Well, you know, he kind of looked at me kind of funny then, you know. And, and uh, I, I said, I went to school with a David Buchanan, great guy. And he said, well, that that's my daddy. And I said, well, I'd be damned. You, you know, it, it, it gets to be a small world. And and then I I never knew him, but through you, Tanner, uh, you know I, I I haven't heard nothing but good about this guy. But to to see him is almost like he thinks he's going to say something to me, and I'm going to have to hit him or something. You know, <laughs> I mean, I was kind of a little bit intimidated by him. He's a pretty good sized fella, oh, yeah, but that's all of them Buchanan's. Oh, all, all everyone. Yeah, yeah, great bunch of guys. So great bunch of guys. Look, and I love David, and uh, hopefully oh. you watch this, David, but. How did you not realize who he was with the last name? Well, I didn't. I didn't hear his name. <laughs> no, not you. Him, oh. Porter. Oh. oh, he should have known. I have crashed on this floor and many honestly, a time. Honestly, you know, he's he's the type of guy, and he's not like a very outgoing. You know, he don't. Not that he didn't get along with people. He's just he's not that guy that's just going to come out and you know blow up talking about it. But uh, he probably did know at least a little bit. Who you were, but he, he he wouldn't have said nothing. Well, I, that's how it's just how it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he I, I ain't he's saying he's gonna he enjoy sh- having his time and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he, you know, he didn't strike me as shy, but he's he's not gonna go out of his way to uh, you know just what it is, what it yeah. is. Slick slide, slide, rough side, drag. Yeah. yeah. I bet he yeah. hunted in his flip flops. You know, I I don't look at men's feet. <laughs> I, I just no, I just know he sleeps with them on. Yeah. Flip flops, uh, yeah. uh, shorts. He wears mean. jorts or not jorts, uh, cargo <laughs> and shorts, a tank top, tank top. Uh, he was probably just if it up. wasn't a tank top, it was a Bayou Dragon shirt. Yeah. I, I think it might have been a Bayou Dragon been, shirt. Was. There we go. Yeah, 
But, but you know, his, his, his dad's the same. You know, his dad's a preacher, which I, in my wildest dreams when I went to school with him back in high school, <laughs> I would have never thought that David uh, Buchanan would have wound up a preacher. But I, I, I tell you what, we just had our 50th class reunion. I went to Port Acres to it. I didn't graduate there, but I got an invite, and I wasn't going to miss it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got to visit with him some, and, and he's – he hadn't changed, but he has changed. Oh, yeah. You know, he is a preacher, but he's still a cut up, great guy. Uh, he's still a Buchanan. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now he would. Well, it's like your you, you daddy told me. He says. Uh, he said I kind of took more after my uncles than my daddy. <laughs> so, and you know, as well, his daddy's a preacher, and none of his uncles were preachers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Pretty wild bunch, but a good wild bunch. Oh yeah, for sure. Good guys. All right, Mark. Now, while we're on the topic of. Uh, Going through guided trips and stuff. So, over in God's country in Anahuac, Texas, you know, we have the Gator Fest, right, an annual event. Um, me and a couple of the guys here have had the glorious pleasure of helping you out with I working remember. that a couple of times. Yes, I remember. Um, got to see the whole setup you have at the shop, going yeah. at the Gator Fest. Um, talk us through how you got through the, onto the Gator Fest and how does that help you with your business and all that kind of good stuff. The the I want to say the Gator Fest started in like 89, if I ain't mistaken. Don't hold me to that, but that's, that seems like when it started. And and to be honest, you know, people say I started. No, I didn't. I was totally against it. I, I got to be honest. Because I've went down to that boat ramp in Anahuac trying to go duck hunting, and there would be people holding hands stopping me from going duck hunting. You bleeding hard tree huggers. <laughs> and... We, we, you know, I'm sitting here looking. Okay, they they've got this gator fest, and they're going to hang them up. What are these people going to do? What kind of protest are we going to get out of this? And the first two years they had it, you know, it, it was very small back then. It, it was it, it was mostly the townspeople doing this. It, it was to bring new money to Anahuac. Uh, you know, Chambers. Well, Anahuac was not your most. Um, uh, a lot of new money coming in, let's put it that way. You, you know, you'd see your same dollar bill at the grocery store four or five times, you know, just circulating right there around town. Well, uh, the Chamber of Commerce started this. Sarah Cerrone, uh Heather Jenkins at the time, and, and Judge uh, Nelson is the one that actually started this Gator Fest thing. And it, it was a home run. It was a great thing for the community. And the third year, I went to the Chamber uh, you know, after seeing two years, there wasn't nobody protesting it. I, I went up to the chamber and I said, listen, uh, here y'all claim to be the gator capital of Texas. Why don't y'all uh, start a processing facility? I, I wouldn't, literally, I wouldn't want to do it at this time. I said, uh, y'all need to start. And, you know, instead of having trucks out of Louisiana come over here and pick them all up, let's, let's start our own processing. Let's, let's take it to the next level. And I turned to walk out of the room and I said, hey, Mr. Porter, hang on a minute. Why don't you do that? And I said, well, I, I, I just catch them. <laughs> I trap them. I just want a place I can take them to locally, <laughs> you know. And uh, But that's when, the, you know, the little bell went off in my head. And in the third year of Gator Fest was the first year that I bought alligators. And it was uh, Sarah, bless her heart, she's passed now. But we, we should have wrote a book. Uh, it, it was, I mean, we were dealing, I was dealing, and, and she hooked me up with this coon-ass mafia. And and uh, it was, 
something to behold than first two years of my buying. Uh, there's so many, oh, God, the stories from that. Scared to death, uh, just different. The kind of money, you know, we were paying cash for alligators back then, and, and you know, you, you carried $100,000, $200,000 on you. They were going for $63 a foot. Families were busting up, you know, fighting each other for tags and all this the first year I bought. It, it, it went nuts. And uh, the next year they fell down to a reasonable price, but they were still fighting over the tags. And, and I mean, it was very cutthroat. And, uh, you know, and I didn't have a clue, you know, what I'd got into and how this was going on. Well, then the third year I got in with a, a, another fella. Me and that fella parted ways, and uh, it it started hitting, and, and he, he said, this is what you need to do. He he, he gave me a little guidance, and uh, we started bringing it to the next level. So six years after I started is when, when we kind of started hitting home runs. Them first five years was nothing but work, and, and I mean work, and, and – uh, you know, I'd have enough at the end of the season to buy a hamburger or something. You know, I mean, go out to eat at Whataburger. Uh, the the first year I made any real money, you know, in that 20-day season, I made $10,000. And I, I, I said, oh, my God. I said, this this is great. Well, then I had to go buy a freezer. Guess what the freezer cost? $10,000. $10,000. And, and uh, you know, so there was nothing made in the beginning but as time went on, it grew, and it grew into something, uh, you know, pretty big. You know, not astronomical because we're limited here in Texas. You know, you're still looking at about 1,500 tags a year, maybe 2,000, uh, and they not all come in there. Some people are going to skin their own, and, and there is other facilities. I don't think they compare with porters, but uh, the majority of the gators in Texas go through porters processing. And the so the early years of the Gator Fest, was there the roundup? Was it like a small roundup? Yes, it, it was. It the the first, oh god, probably the first seven, eight, nine years. It it was uh it was the show. It it was it it was, it was the biggie. It was what people were coming there. They still come there for the alligators, but <laughs> your papa, we were sitting there. They'd run one of them up and. and you know, they'd blow this horn whenever they come in, and people would come running like cows trained to come to feed. Oh, they still do it. They, they still, but back then, <laughs> literally, I, I'm talking wheelchairs and just screaming across, you know, to, to, to get up there to get a front row seat to look uh, at these alligators hanging up. And, you know, what, one of the comments Paul said was, he said, Look, look, look at their eyes. They, they, they look like they're looking at a naked woman or something. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just... But we were not raised doing this, but around it and seen them and knew and 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 nothing to you. No, no, it it was like waking up in the morning. You know, it was just just another day, and watching these people just their eyes just glowing and and just mouths gaped open, looking at at these you know gators we were hanging up and you know the hunters bringing them in and all, and you know over the years a lot of the novelty wore off, but still. Uh, 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 a lot of people just can't get enough of it. Yeah, no, it's still, Gatorfest is a pretty big deal. Now they have the music and stuff, like you're saying, that yes. kind of takes over the show. Like, that's what they headline. Yes. But the yes. 
still the alligator hunting. If anyone here is in Texas, never seen an alligator, that is, you know, the place to do it. I mean, there's hundreds that come through there during that, that weekend. That weekend, on, on the average, on the average, um, in fact, I tried to slow it down because we would get, you know, when when you're going to do uh, a 1,000 alligators in, in 20 days and you get 700 of them in that weekend, it, it kind of bottlenecks you down pretty good. So, you know, I, I would call some of my hunters and, and you know, let, look, man, you can't bring me 30. You know, you can bring me five. Uh, you know, don't sit so hard opening weekend. Uh, you know, I, I can't handle it. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, the, you know, a lot of the same hunters year after year, we, we, we became good friends and they worked with me. And if they wouldn't have, it, it, it would have, oh God, it would have been so tough to, to, to handle all of it. But on any given weekend now, you're going to get around 400 on, on Gator Fest weekend. And then the middle of the week, it'll slow down. Then the next weekend, you'll get 150, 200. And then the last weekend, it'll be another 150, 200. You're going to get. 85% of the alligators on the three weekends during the season. Yeah. And you're going to see a good amount of people from around Texas. Oh, around oh yes. Well, we, we have people come from, uh, you know, as far east as Bridge City, Orange area, right up against the Louisiana line, all the way down to damn near Kingsville. Uh, you know, definitely Corpus Christi, Matagorda area, all down there that, you know, bring their gators up here for Gator Fest. There's always a big, like, I remember every year we've worked it, and since I've been around it, like, there's always just one from, like, Matagorda. It's like, oh, somebody, it's like, there's a there's a chance there's about to be a toad in that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's two or three bunches down there that, that uh, over the weekend, uh, a good friend of mine, Joe King, and, and uh, I can't think of his buddy's name right now, but uh, they they would bring in a big load of big gators, and then Corey Housworth and Kevin Hinkin they they would bring in a bunch of big alligators. They would pull several hour checks, and a lot of times would win it. Uh, we've had Chambers County win it several years over the past. But uh, what what when gator season first opened, us being so close to Louisiana, we started doing it first, and then it just kind of caught on and crept across the state. And so they're behind us. And so, you know, well, the very first year I did alligators, I, I took 46 off of one place, and they averaged uh, almost 11 foot. Y- you know, the the state average now for our wild season of, on what we run is going to run about eight, eight four, eight five, which is a big average. Louisiana's average runs about six, seven, six, eight. So, you know, we still got a bigger average than Louisiana, but we don't take as many. We, we don't have as many. Yeah. So, I know I was complimenting you a minute ago off the camera that you, you know, you're talking in the mic really well. You, uh, you've had a little bit of a behind the camera fame already. Before I wouldn't say this is famous, but <laughs> you've had some actual, uh, you know, stardom. Well, I, I, I've, I've, uh, Oh, I guess the first thing I was ever on was Divas in the Outdoors, which it wasn't a, a a real popular show, but it was pretty cool. We we I brought these ladies out and we picked up eggs and I brought them on Gator Hunt, and they filmed it. And I don't know, it was on channel eight thousand four hundred and eighty two and a half or something. I don't know. I know I've got the tape still. And then later on, I I got asked to be on uh, Call of the Wild, which is the Turtle Man. Uh, 
It was yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> live action. It was a pretty cool show. I wasn't going to do it. My, my grandkids talked me into it, and uh, and and it it was pretty neat. I'm 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 glad I did, and you know that's a, my three and a half minutes of fame kind of hit there for a little bit, and then um, Swamp People come out, and we was going to do a, a show, and all oh, they let me know that they really needed me and all this, and I, well, I, great, you know, I was looking forward to it. And then Harvey come in and everything flooded and it just really screwed it all up. So I, I've got uh, probably three, maybe three and a half seconds on Swamp People. <laughs> and uh, the Turtle Man, uh, I, I literally had a, 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 a the the whole thirty minutes that we were together uh, getting a, a mama alligator out of a pond that was eating some ducks over in North Houston. So, Mark, you you were telling us about some. Fun. Fame and glory that you got out of the newspaper back when that was the thing oh, in the day. Oh, God, years and years ago, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Rogel Franklin, did an article on me. She she thought it was interesting that I was forming alligators and doing the wild season and all. And uh, she did this article, and it, and it was the little Texas magazine that comes out in the Houston Chronicle on Sundays. Well, I was the cover story, and, and it hit, I mean, it literally hit a home run, literally days later. We had people lined up down the driveway, out to the highway, and down the highways away, coming to see alligators and this and that. And our souvenir business went way up during that time, which was great. And, uh, uh, you know, that went well. Then the New York Times picked up that article. Now, they, they changed it up, made it a little smaller, but it had a picture of me. And, and, uh, and then I, I went on several talk radio shows. Uh, out of Boston and up that way, they were more interested, and uh, kind of made fun of the way I talked a little bit. I, I, I know I got a little bit of a country accent. I, I can barely notice it. Uh, most people don't even notice it. You, you know, I, I go to Vegas or somewhere, and then first thing, what part of Texas are you from, boy? But uh, anyway, that that's been my little deal with fame, and you know, and I hope I don't screw this up. What I'm fixing to say, but I admire these young men right here. The 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 uh, uh, Bayou Dragons. They they uh, they got it going on. Uh, it's it's cool what they're doing. I admire them. Uh, I don't look up to many people. You know, I, I John Wayne and and, and a few more like Jesus that. Christ. Jesus, like, def- def- like, definitely okay. Jesus. Jesus, John Wayne. Yeah, but I, I wasn't gonna throw y'all in there with Jesus. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But but these these young men right here, I, I really admire what they got going on and and. Uh, I, I, you know, I hope they do well with it. Uh, I, I do. I truly do. I, I admire them. Well, I mean, we base a lot of it. Like, I mean, the Bayou Dragons, just being from the area, the alligators, but you had a big part of that, us being, you know, a part of that, your whole deal. It's like, oh, your uncle's the Gator Man. I mean, that was what they used to say. Well, Hank, let me tell this story here. <laughs> Yeah, he set me up for it. I knew he'd done this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how I operate. Okay. Uh, Porter actually come out of Hampshire Finette like I did. And uh, his daddy's a coach, stepdad. And uh, he transferred to Anahuac. And, and he come out to Anahuac. And, and uh, you know, out there in Anahuac, I was I was a gator man. I was this. I was that. And and. You know, he wasn't out there six months or a year, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm, well, you're Porter's uncle. 
<laughs> you know, I went from being somebody to, well, you're Porter's uncle, <laughs> and and which was pretty cool. I mean, the young man stepped up, done well. Uh, it, 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 it's been a pleasure meeting all these guys, but him as my nephew and watching him operate and 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 uh, it, it's uh, oh God, I could tell y'all some stories, but I probably shouldn't say them on the on this podcast you're welcome no. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i was kind of the man and this young fella come in and just pretty much took it away from me you know which was pretty cool uh thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it yeah i thought that was funny whenever you literally like the wasn't uh i mean back then wasn't as accessible on the phone and you were just like i saw you and you're like let me tell you this shit yeah <laughs> You have now taken the crown. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, well. Yeah. Yeah, he come out, you know, goes to school first year. He's, uh, I don't think they ever had a a, a, a king, and, and he got anti king. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe didn't like me for a little while, but we're not going to. Oh, I love Joe's story. I, 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 they got to do that on podcasts. That's one of the best stories ever. I, I damn near peed my pants laughing. I ain't lying. That's one of the best stories. I ain't saying nothing, but. They all thought Porter might have been a just gay. just say it, Joe. It doesn't matter what Porter thinks. Might have thought he was a little gay. Just yeah. uh, or just, a lot. Just gay. do it. Just yeah. do it. You know, uh, <laughs> coming into Anahuac, you know we're. <laughs> I love this. Like Mark said, we're it's a small town. We're all tight knit, click. We know each other. We're, we live in God's country. We all love it. We're straight shooters. <laughs> uh, we walk into athletics building, like Mark said, his. Um, stepfather's a coach. Uh, me and my good friend Josh Winslow walk in there, and you know we're we're kind of the guys. So we're standing there getting ready to get our uniforms, and we see this we see this guy standing in the back, leaned up, propped in the tightest shirt you could possibly imagine. So physique wise, I was about five four, hundred and ten pounds. You give yourself that tall? Five two, maybe five two. And uh, I swear he was wearing a shirt smaller than mine at the time. <laughs> and the shorter shorts, you can imagine shorter than the ones he has on currently. Looks um, like a damn near seen his penis. His penis. We're looking I'll at keep him. keep it clean, Uncle Mark's here. <laughs> We're looking at him, and uh, old uh, Jeremy tells us, hey, that's my uh, – Son-in-law, I need y'all to uh, stepson. Stepson, <laughs> that'd be weird. <laughs> That's my stepson over there. Uh, y'all mind, you know, introducing yourselves, making friends with them, you know, kind of make him feel at home. And we knew Jeremy from he taught sex ed during middle school, and it was a, you know, like most sex ed, it was a joke. <laughs> we look at him straight in his eyes, as serious as can be, and said, "We're not going to talk to the guy. He looks like a straight up faggot." <laughs> And uh, about six months later, um, we're at a powerlifting meet, and uh, we go home, and Porter's there. You know, I still haven't talked to the guy. I don't know him really that well. And I'm walking to my truck to go home, and I feel a shadowy figure following me. <laughs> so I speed up my pace a little bit to get to my truck to figure out what's going on, and it's him following me. And uh, I find out that this guy is coming home with me. He's supposed to stay the night. And uh, four years later, he leaves. <laughs> uh, so. Thank you for that, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. I wish he'd have went into more detail like he did 
last year when we'd had a few light summer drinks. Yeah, <laughs> we had to keep it clean though. It was hilarious. Like, oh, my some God. of that stuff he said about me was uh, all true, but <laughs> oh, definitely all true. I won't deny the fact, yeah. but my opinion has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. But anyway, uh, Mark, I'm. We've been wanting to do this podcast with you for a while. I'm glad we finally got to sit down, talk about your past, your present, your, well, what would that be? I guess past, present, and future. now you're just in the future is going <laughs> to yeah, be. your future is this. Future. Your future is. What we're sitting here staring at. Well, yeah. well, my future now is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of specializing in white perch fishing and, uh, and in bass fishing, I've uh, done one one tournament this year. Thanks to my partner, I didn't do that much. Don't good job. Da- don't give Danny that much credit. <laughs> hey, good <laughs> job, Danny. I- Danny done a great <laughs> job. Danny Phillips. I, I, I hope he sees this. He, he uh, I, I've had some great partners in the past. Uh, you know, uh, oh God, I had one there forever. We called him Big. Name is David Arnold. He's passed now, but oh. great guy to fish with. He couldn't fish, but he made <laughs> great stories. Oh, great, yeah. great stories. I, I mean, you you could write a thousand books on his stories he's a very funny great guy but uh danny uh danny fun to fish with and 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 uh we had a good time and and he beat me you know and that's that's hard to do i I don't want to brag but it's hard to beat me fishing especially in my own boat when i'm in front (laughs) so the new boat at that oh yeah (laughs) I just I just want to tell this story real quick before we end it. The big so big was a drummer in the high street band, great dude, just genuine fellow. He talked with one of those uh, voice boxes. Well, he had that little thing you'd have to stick in his mouth, and it made a, a yeah. because he you know he had to, uh, his. He breathed through his neck. You know, he had one of those holes in his neck. He talked like the uncle off of South Park. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one time we were down at Ricky's house uh, for the tournament. I don't remember who was all – Joe, Mitch. I don't think I was there. I don't – I don't. well, you were there, but I don't think you were in the room. So, we're in this room. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we were in the room at Ricky's, and they're like, hey, just – y'all are going to sleep with Big. And it's like, okay, cool, <laughs> you know. I was like, does he sn- – like, I – I was like, does he snore with that thing or like whatever? He's <laughs> like, no, no, you're good. And he's actually like pretty quiet, yeah. which is, that's the only time he ever was quiet. You know, when he was sleeping, he <laughs> sleeping. loved to talk. But he was laying there and just out of nowhere rolls off the bed. I'm talking makes a racket, hits the table. It, everything goes flying. And we're like, we all jump up. We're like, what the heck? Is he okay? And you just like, he's in the silhouette of a hand, like reaching on the desk and he grabs that little talking thing and just meh, 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 like his laugh <laughs> and i was like that was what he went for just oh, well well I, let, let me just one quick story I, like i said i talked about big for a long time but he come up here he was kind of pardon me he was kind of like the camp bitch you know he had this hole in his throat and he if he went out in the boat and he fell overboard he would drown that's, that's all there was to it you know he, he had no he couldn't hold his breath water would just pour in that hole well he he, I seen him come in fishing with my cousin one day, and you know, big, just like I say, great guy. And I said, Kenny, and he said, Yeah, well, he he got him a, a, a pacifier, like a baby's pacifier, and it would fit in that hole. 
And he practiced in a pool, literally jumping in and sticking a pacifier in that hole to hold his breath. And so, you know, I, I took him fishing with me. And, uh, well, I said, Big, I said, you want to fish the tournament this year? And he yeah. So uh, he was going to fish with me. The very first time I took him out, uh, <laughs> he threw two rods overboard and broke one. Okay. <laughs> Were they your rods? They were my rods. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't care. It was, you know, he built some great stories. You know, there, there was one day there, his wife had got him a new rod. They restrung it up there at uh, um, Academy for him. I mean, put a pile of line on it. Well, they didn't tie it to the spool. They just wrapped it up on there and didn't tie it to the spool. He threw it overboard <laughs> out there by the hog trough on the outside bank. And I looked back here. You know, he couldn't talk. He had to hold his thing. So when he's fishing, he couldn't talk to you. We, we had signals where he'd stomp his foot if he hung up or caught a fish. You know, it was uh, one for hanging up because he hung up all the time. And two or three if he caught a fish. You know, he'd, you know, pat his feet like it. But I looked back here, and, and I don't know if y'all ever seen uh, uh, Adam's family cousin, it, one that had the long hair yes well he he had dropped the rod overboard but he had the bait in his hand so he was pulling up all this string and he was pulling it up over his head and he had like <laughs> three miles of monofilament hanging <laughs> over his head he looked like cousin it and and then you know he kept and then he come and he come to the end and the reel wasn't there oh my God. Wow. lost a brand new rod and reel right there but, 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 you know, he could laugh at himself. He, he, he was just a great guy. Enjoyed, enjoyed fishing with him. He was fantastic. I miss him. I miss him. Great guy. But, yeah, Mark, we, uh, we appreciate your time, appreciate your hospitality. We'll be crashing in this uh, exact room here in a month for the Two Moon Junction. That's right. That's right. Coming um, up to get y'all's butt kicked again. Well, actually, y'all all kicked mine last year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll see this year. I got yeah. third Keaton last year. just needs to step yeah. it up. Oh, God, Keaton, when you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I hope she listens to it. She does. She listens to it every week. You need to step up your two-moon junction fishing. (laughs) Well, I I do give it to Keaton. We uh, beat – I don't know if we beat Mark in the fall tournament, but we definitely beat y'all in the fall tournament, so. Oh, yeah. No, no, y'all kicked my butt this last year. All the way around. Yeah, I had a bad year, but I'm making up for it now. That's good. I can't wait for you to get second to me. But uh, (laughs) we appreciate your time. Thank you, Mark, and um, everybody listening. We always appreciate all our sponsors, all the viewers, listeners. We just appreciate it. You got anything, Joe? Do you have anything to close us out with? Amen. Good. All right, guys. Thank y'all. Joe's silence. (laughs) 